Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the career strategy podcast for BIPOC folks in their 20s and 30s trying to figure out their next career move. I'm your host, Priscilla Weninger Bolcha, Latinx career coach, former talent recruiter, and human capital management consultant. Each Friday, I'll share an actionable tip to help you on your career change journey so that you can job search with confidence, land amazing job offers, and get on with your life. Let's get started. Hey everyone, how's it going? I hope you're having a wonderful day. Today I'm doing a really fun episode that is going to mimic a famous VH1 TV show that was a decade nostalgia show. I love the 80s, I love the 90s, except make it job search related. So I did a little bit of research. I looked at newspaper articles from the 80s, like the New York Times from the 80s. I looked up data. I wanted to just understand how did the job search evolve from the 70s up until today. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share what I learned, some really fun facts within each decade, how we've gotten to where we are today. For example, in the 70s, it was okay to light up a cigarette if you were interviewing as long as your hiring manager or the person interviewing you lit one up first. (laughs) So we're going to talk about just some interesting little quirks about how things have evolved over the years. I think that if you identify as a person from a historically marginalized group, you're going to feel a lot of appreciation that you're not job searching in the 70s or the 80s and that things have become more equitable over the years, even though it's nowhere near perfect. I'm also going to touch on how technology has completely revolutionized this process in really amazing ways, but also how it's created new challenges that we now need to counteract so that we have to be really strategic about how we spend our time during the job search process. I touched on that last week on episode 71, where I talked about why it's really pointless to be submitting a bunch of job applications if you're not doing the most important activity, which is networking with people, setting up informational chats, trying to get referrals. Okay, so let's now get into it. Let's start with the 1970s. So in the 70s, the way that people found jobs back then had nothing to do with a computer. They would literally open up their newspaper and look for job ads, and they would either physically go to the office and talk to someone to express interest, or they would call the office directly. Consumer computers, like personal consumer computers, weren't really a thing, so most people had typewriters, and they used that to write their resumes. Another thing is that even though the 1972 Equal Employment Opportunity Act was passed, there was still rampant discrimination going on. Ethnic, racial, gender, religion, age, you name it. There was a lot of discrimination going on, and the EEOC regulations that we know today didn't really exist to the extent that they do, and they weren't enforced. I actually found this quote on the internet from back in the 70s where employers expected people's resumes to include personal details like their race, their weight, the height, their family status, marital status, health conditions, even if they own their own home. Like, how wild is that? That way, they didn't have to ask you these questions, which now in today's world, it would be illegal for them to do that. But there was an expectation for people to do this so that they could avoid the awkward moment when a black person or a woman entered the job interview room. So let's just say I'm glad we're not living in those days. Not to say that there isn't discrimination happening today. It's just not as blatant as it was in the 70s. A few fun facts back in the 70s. Like I mentioned earlier, you could actually smoke in an interview if the interviewer lit up first. 
you only needed one version of your resume. So you didn't need to tailor your resume to different jobs. The competition was not as fierce back then. If you were a woman, you wouldn't be able to pick up the lunch tab, like if you went out to lunch for some reason. And back then, you couldn't print your resume at home. That wasn't a thing. Also, what's interesting is job ads would actually specify desired genders and job descriptions. Back in those days, your job opportunities were typically limited to the town or the city where you lived in, the industry that was prominent in your city or town. There wasn't any technology that could help you identify jobs in other cities. And when I was reading about this, it reminded me of that book by Aziz Ansari, Modern Romance, where he writes about modern day dating and how it's changed over the years. And there's this part of the book where he talks about how there was a 1932 sociological study done in Philadelphia where they reviewed thousands and thousands of marriage records. And they found that one third of couples who had gotten married had lived within a five block radius of each other. That's a third of couples. That's quite, that's like a significant number. And then one out of six couples had lived on the same block growing up, and one out of eight couples had lived in the same building before they got married. So it's a similar idea where people didn't really move back then, and your opportunities for dating and career were pretty limited to where you lived. It was very common back then for people to have to move to a city first without a job to be able to then you know, search for a job and access certain opportunities. When it came to educational qualifications, in the 70s, only 26% of middle-class workers had any kind of education beyond high school, which is a huge difference from today's world where a college degree is more or less equivalent to what I would consider a high school degree, a minimum expectation for many jobs, and does not guarantee any job. Today, nearly 60% of all jobs in the U.S. economy require a higher education, and the wage gap between those who have a high school diploma and those who have a college degree has doubled since the early 80s. So just to give you a sense of how the inequity has grown because of this. All right, moving on to the 1980s, my favorite decade because I'm an 80s baby, but the 80s began with a really tough recession and a huge problem. Basically, the number of newly college-educated people far outweighed the number of jobs that required a college degree or specialized skills. There were still a lot of manufacturing blue-collar jobs where they needed people, and there was a huge rise in skilled workers, and many of them had to settle for jobs that really only required a high school degree. And more women and minorities had college degrees for the first time. So employers had to start taking them seriously and employers had to start being compliant with those equal opportunity employment laws. As a result, it became a very competitive environment for people to get highly selective jobs. Interviewers began to create more rigorous interview processes that went way beyond the resume. They would now ask people about previous work experiences and behavioral questions, job seekers just had to start to prepare way more than ever before for interviews. And I would say that this is probably when the career coach came onto the scene because suddenly people were trying to differentiate themselves in an environment that had become really competitive, not because of technology, but because of the economic forces at play and the rising levels and educational attainment. And networking became really critical for getting the top jobs. 
because of that, even if you went to a really prestigious college. In the 80s, there were also several tech inventions that really completely transformed the American workplace. So those big, huge brick cell phones, personal computers, fax machines, floppy disks, answering machines. Back in the 80s, you could fax in a resume, and you also had to go to the library to do research about a company. You couldn't just Google it. You couldn't go to Glassdoor. People had to actually go do that research in the library or look at newspapers. People also had word processors instead of typewriters, and they stressed out a lot about the kind of paper that they used to print their resume on. So people were still definitely sending over their physical copies of their resume. And honestly, this continued for a long time because even when I applied to college in 2005, even then I was mailing in physical copies of my college applications and my resume. So the use of physical copies, this actually ended up going on for a very long time into the 90s and even into the 2000s in some ways. In the 80s, women made up 50% of the workforce, which was a huge rise. And women felt a lot of pressure to fit in with men and that manifested in in fashion. So we all know the power suit was really common back then. That became a little more feminized. I don't know if that's a word. It became more feminine. And women wore these feminine power suits, but then they still went for the shoulder pads and the tweed fabric to signal more authority and, and professionalism, quote unquote. Okay, moving on to the 90s. Obviously, the internet changes everything in the 90s. Passive job seeking comes onto the scene. This is the idea that you could upload your resume or build an online profile somewhere and you could be found. So someone could reach out to you with a job opportunity. For the first time, people could do that. And as people became more comfortable using the internet, online job boards began to pop up. The first one ever was Dice. And then we had Monster.com and CareerBuilder come out in the 90s, companies began to list job openings on their websites. In 1998, we start to see a lot of HR software companies pop up with a solution that is now referred to as an applicant tracking system, ATS, which essentially helped companies and recruiters sift through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of job applications and resumes that they were now receiving from all over the world. No longer was it the case that a hiring manager would only receive the few resumes from their local city. Now it could come in from literally anywhere in the world. In the 90s, you didn't have to move to a city to find a job later. You could apply to jobs online and access multiple markets and industries. And this was good and bad for the job seeker. The good news was that you now had this incredible access and visibility into hundreds of opportunities, but it was bad because so does everyone else. Your resume and application may never get looked at, and the competition to be seen is incredible. It just skyrockets. The ATS systems that I mentioned were developed to help recruiters automatically reject candidates who didn't have certain keywords on their resume or didn't meet certain qualifications. And fancy resumes that the ATS couldn't process would immediately be rejected. 
So that's why on a side note, I always tell people don't play with these cute little Canva graphic resumes because to this day, ATS systems, they still reject these resumes on a regular basis. I read a post on Reddit from someone who had graduated college in 1990 and they said that they had to go to their library to print their resume, look for jobs in the newspaper, they'd go to job fairs, and then because not everyone had cell phones or email wasn't really being used like that, you'd have to wait to see if someone would call you at your home phone and leave you a message on your answering machine. People would mail out hundreds of resumes and stress out about the envelopes and the resume paper. There's a famous scene in Friends, the one with all the poker, where Rachel mails out hundreds of resumes out to employers only to realize there's a typo. Very, very cute, very 90s. In the late 90s, we see the dot-com boom and more tech companies that have relaxed work environments. So people began to wear a little bit more casual business wear at work. Moving into the 2000s, so that dot-com boom that I just mentioned burst between 2000 and 2001, investors lost over $5 trillion. And the majority of dot-com companies founded since 1996 went bankrupt, laying off thousands of tech employees. And so we saw at the beginning of the 2000s, the after effects of that boom. Many tech workers suddenly found their skills unmarketable and it just became a super competitive environment again. In 2005, Indeed.com was launched in a mere five years, managed to outpace Monster as the most visited job website. And later in the 2000s and 2008, the Great Recession, which is when I was a junior in college when the Great Recession hit. Major unemployment came to pass. Lots of unemployed people flooded these online systems, job boards, automated screening tools began to weed out more and more people than ever. Employers became really particular about qualifications like they do during any recession, like a college degree was no longer enough. People needed master's degrees, extracurriculars, perfect GPAs, you know, personal connections. Qualified candidates were often overlooked because they couldn't check every single box. There were just way too many applications for the number of available positions. And companies even started to use credit checks as a way to filter people out. The unmanageable flood of resumes created a resurgence of people networking, similar to the 80s. Referred candidates were given a closer look than random applicants and helped them bypass those keyword screening systems. In the 2000s, you could apply for a job from a cyber cafe. In 2003, you were able to create your LinkedIn profile for the first time. You could no longer send generic resumes that weren't tailored to the position. And then the rise of social media sites like Facebook and Twitter in the 2000s meant that employers would begin to start to look you up online as a candidate. And if you weren't smart about your social media presence, it could sabotage your application process. You could no longer call a hiring manager or show up to the employer's office. People would be spooked if you did this. At this point, interview fashion shifted where professional advice given is that based on the context of the position, you should adjust your wardrobe. So if you're applying to a bank, you might as well be in the 1950s as far as your wardrobe is concerned. But if you're interviewing for a tech startup, 
don't even think about getting that formal. Fast forwarding quite a bit to today's world, 2022, where we're living in a quote unquote post-pandemic world, we have seen everything go virtual, not just the application process, but the actual day-to-day job experience for people. I could talk a little bit about just like the broader implications, right? Like the role of work has changed, the gig economy, how the great resignation shifted. And and now at the time of this recording, there's a lot of speculation of an upcoming recession. There's been lots of layoffs in the tech industry, higher freezes, a lot of the activity that we saw in the 80s. And, you know, when I was doing this research, it kind of just helped me understand that all of this is cyclical. And these cycles will just continue to go on. A lot of job search advice has withstood the test of time. Some things have changed. The big takeaway for me was like networking, networking, networking is always going to be helpful for you in the ups and the downs of the economy. And that technology has made our lives easier. It's made networking easier. We're able to now identify people easily online who we can connect to, who can help us. But there's also challenges that come with everyone having access to everything on the internet. All right, so this is where I will conclude this little I love the 90s, 80s, 70s job search edition. I hope you enjoyed kind of learning a little bit about what that history looked like and how it has led us to where we are today. The good, bad and ugly and how change is the only true constant. But at the same time, there's like things that never truly change. All right, y'all have a great weekend. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you head over to ecmpodcast.com slash free course and sign up for my free job search training course. I teach you the three things that you need to know before you go into a job search process. My goal is to help you change careers with confidence and ease so you can move on with your life. I'll see you next week.